If I said I worship today, what did you mean by that? What did you mean by that? Hey, what do you think? A lot of different ideas floating out there. You see, the issue of worship, worship is one of those kind of somewhat nebulous terms that we use, and we use it resourcefully. In other words, we say a lot of things about worship, but I'm not sure we have a good grasp on it. So for the next two weeks, we're going to talk about what is worship. How does it all come together? How does it work? And today, what I want to talk about is this wonder of worship. And we're going to talk about how worship affects at least three different areas of our lives. It's the result of a change that God does within us. And He changes our minds. He changes our hearts. And He changes our will. All these things when we are willing and ready and open to His direction in our life. In fact... The Word of God calls it a transformation, a metamorphosis. takes place in our lives as a result of His Word clarified in us, as a result of us allowing His Holy Spirit into our heart, as a result of us yielding to His will and direction in us. So you can pull out your outlines, and that will help you follow along with us today as we talk about this issue of worship. The first and primary verse... It's found in the book of Revelation talking about this question of worship. And I want you to read that one with me. I think we have that coming up on the screen. It's out of Revelation chapter 4, verse 12. And it goes like this. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And it's for your will they were created and have their being have their being or their essence or their power. You see, God has created us with a need within us to worship Him, to give Him what He is due in terms of His worth, to respond to Him in such a way that our lives become not only meaningful, but they become purposeful. We find ourselves being given direction as we listen to Him and grab a hold of Him. In fact, the word in the Greek, proskuneo, means to touch, to bow, to touch. So literally the words are to bow, to touch God. When we worship, we bow and we touch God. And that's the word for worship, to bow and to touch. The scripture reminds us that if we want to know the purpose in life, then we have to look at the the life manual, the word of God itself that begins to direct us and helps us to understand what life is about and what our purpose in life actually is. And it tells us that first and foremost, we as human beings were made to worship God. We were made to respond to who God is. That there's this incredibly awesome power and wonder when God touches us and we touch Him. Now in Hebrew, the word is shaka. okay? So that's, that's, a, that's an interesting word. Now, we have to have a band. I think they, they say it a little differently. Yeah, Shaka Khan. That's a different one, buddy. You know, all together. But there's actually a, a Christian band called Shaka. And what is in reference to is, again, they're saying we're here to help people to worship God. Now, in this case, the word here is talking about the awesome power and the wonder of God. It actually means to burn in awe and respect. Towards God. So when we shaka him, we 
bow before him in awe and in respect of who he is and all that he's done. When we recognize who Jesus is and what he has done, we bow before him. We find ourselves going, I can't believe he was willing and able to do what he did. And that is worship. So we find ourselves interacting, confessing with God, to God. And the scripture tells us that when you start understanding that, all of life begins to revolve around it. Everything revolves around that centered aspect of God as being the one we are to worship. We have a wonderful sound here from our worship band, and they, they sing so wonderfully. But you see, if they didn't have a center place to work from, they would all simply have this cacophonous sound. But they start from a thing called the middle C. And middle C in music allows us from that point on to all come together and be united in how we sing. So we can sing a variety of different notes, but because we are centered in the C, being a place where everybody stands, we're all in pitch with one another, and we have this wonderful sound. And God is saying, when you are in the middle C, when you're in God himself, when you are worshiping him, that life begins to make sense. It sounds correctly. There's harmony. There's wholeness. But you must be centered in God. You must first and foremost learn to worship Him. And then He tunes us in such a way that life makes sense. That's what worship is. That's this wondrous thing where God returns our spirits to us. And where we were out of tune and out of alignment, he realigns us. He gets us back in tune. We have a tuner that comes and does the piano twice a year. And he says it goes out of tune as a result of entering into all the problems and the atmospheric issues that we have throughout the area. And our lives are in that same way. We deal with all these issues in life and we do some things right and some things wrong. And it throws us out of tune. And we're uncomfortable. And some of us, we take drugs to try and get it back in. Or we, or we grab this, or we grab that, or we buy this. Whatever it is, trying to get back in tune. And God says, no, 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 no. The way you get back in tune is you come to me and you worship. And when you worship God, your spirit and your soul get tuned correctly. You get put back in alignment. Things begin to make sense again. And you're able to go back into the road of life and live life. Now, interestingly enough, and I want you to catch this, Jesus tells us that until you learn to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him, nothing else will make sense. I want you to get this. That's worship. That's what worship is. When we take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow him, we are involved in worship. And he tells us over and over, until you give everything, you will receive nothing. Until you give everything, you receive nothing. We are re-energized. We're resurrected. We're renewed by the power of God as we come to him and, and worship. Because worship is all about change. And the problem is that our hearts and our minds and our will get all messed up and mixed up. And it needs to be changed back to the place so that we can begin to respond to who God is and what he has done. And when we do that, he changes our hearts. He changes our minds. He changes our will so we can begin to touch and interact with his spirit and walk in his way and experience this, this wonder one to another of God living in and through us. And that's worship. 
He changes our mind if we let him teach us. So that first thing I want to talk about today is he wants to be the teacher of our lives. Paul talks about it in Romans when he says to us simply, don't be conformed any longer to this world. He's saying, don't be aligned with this world. Don't allow yourself to let that style of thinking be your thinking anymore. Instead, you're to be what? Transformed, metamorphized. You're to be transformed by renewing of your mind. So you've got to get renewed. That's right. You've got to be transformed by renewing of your mind to set you back in the right place, to realign, to refocus, to bring understanding. So the first thing he tells us that Jesus himself died so we could be transformed. Metamorphe. It means be changed. Meta, be changed. Morphe. That's all it means. You need to be changed. And he changes our being By the power of his word, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the first place we get this renewal is we begin to understand the grace of Jesus. That is the hardest thing to get a hold of for every one of us here. We're all like, I got to do this or I got to do, I got to do something for God. I got to do something for Jesus to make it right. I've got to somehow put this all together so then, so then it'll, that'll work right. If I pay this much, if I do this, if I do that, then it'll be better. And scripture says, no, it's all about grace. The changing grace of Jesus. That as we encounter that grace, he enables us to be transformed. Changed into his very image. We see Jesus made a little lower than the angels. Now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. You can circle by the grace. By the grace. And if we can just get a hold of that, it changes your entire life. It changes everything in how you view things and your perspective of what's going on in our life. We see Jesus brought down to earth from heaven to suffer for us. That's why he came. God enabled him and enabled the plan so it would work as he provides this grace path for anyone and everyone who would receive this wonderful gift. He must die so we can what? Live. That's it. He's got to die so we can live. Grace, you know, you can come up with all kinds of acronyms uh, in terms of the picture of grace itself. Uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's my favorite one. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's grace. The only way we can come into God's presence, the only way we can truly touch him or worship him is through the provision that Jesus has given us. He says, so now you can come before the various throne of God without fear, without concern, as you lay before him, as you rejoice in who he is, and he will change you, your mind itself, and help you to understand what life is about and what's going to happen. Corinthians says, For you know the grace, we're there again, of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became, what? Poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Exactly. Grace. Grace gives me riches while someone else takes on poverty. It's God himself providing for us everything. He became poor so you might become rich. And when we respond to the gift of Jesus, then we begin to understand and experience the grace of Jesus. When we yield to that and the Spirit comes into our life, and we go, really, this is it? This is it. All I have to do is, oh, uh, all? 
all you have to do is, all you have to do is give up your entire life for His. That's all. That's everything. That is everything. See, we, we in our foolishness don't understand. He died so we might live. But we have to die so we can live as well. We have to die to ourselves, take up our cross, die to ourselves, and follow Jesus. And then we receive the wondrous grace, amazing grace of Jesus. Huh. So that you through his poverty, and the big word in here is might, become rich. So you through his poverty might become rich if you choose to. If you'll take the gift, if you'll receive it, if you allow him to change your mind. That when we ask for the gift, Jesus is unable not to respond to our need. He has to respond to our need. The Father and the Holy Spirit determine together what can and must be done, and Jesus does it in us and through us. We change our minds concerning the grace of Jesus, and that transform us. And when we accept it, what Jesus has done for us, then we're released from this grip of, of failure and guilt and sin. That's the wonderful grace of Jesus. In fact, that's why sin means to miss the mark. And God resets it for us. In a sense, you take an arrow and you shoot it into the wall. And then God circles a bullseye around it. it says, perfect shot. That's God's grace to each one of us. Regardless of how you shoot it, God sees you as perfect. Not only that, He makes you perfect because of His grace. And as we experience this marvelous, glorious grace, then we find ourselves looking into the Word of God and we're changed by it. I still remember that. The first time reading the Word of God and suddenly I began to understand exactly what it was that He was saying. After that, it was just a series of words. didn't make any sense. Suddenly, I began to read what it said here, and I began to read things like Jesus turned to them, answering them about the issue of heaven and earth, and he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father is through me. And suddenly I went, I get it. I get it. Because the grace of God had transformed me, and my mind was now yielded to the Spirit and the direction of God in me, and I began to understand it. Jesus said, I've been in heaven. I lived there for a period of time. I'm going back there. And the only way you're going to be able to come back to be with me is if you respond to what I have done and who I am. I know God the Father, and there is no other way for you to get there. If it was, I would have told you that. Buddha shares that there are many, many ways to reach nirvana, many paths that lead us to God. And that's nice. Doesn't that make you feel good? It does. It makes me feel good. Oh, wow, that's great. There's so many different paths to lead to God. I say, Buddha, could you be more specific? He says, no. Why not? Well, I've never been to heaven. Would you take directions from somebody to get somewhere that they'd never been? I don't. I usually don't take them from somebody who's been there. Because I know guys are lousy at directions. It's just the way it is. I look it up and say, I pull out my phone. Now, I... Uh, David got me, I got the nice iPhone that now tells you step-by-step -step directions. You know, Siri talks to me and says, okay, Lee, turn right here. You turned left, you idiot. I said, they, didn't, they put my wife in the phone. What happened? <laughs> oh, no, my wife would never say that. She'd say softly and tenderly. 
Lee, I think you may be going the wrong way. <laughs> sure she would. Actually, well, yeah, yeah, she probably would. You're getting the picture? You're getting the picture? Jesus says, I know how to get there. I've already been there. There's only one way. And if you try to follow someone else's ideas that sound really nice, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You need to get changed in your mind to understand the truth of what's going on here. Because the sun, it tells us in Hebrew, is the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of his being. He sustains all things by his powerful word. He holds it together. He makes it work perfectly, completely. The scripture told us back in Exodus, the Father is so powerful that for us to look upon him would cause instant destruction in our life. We'd be unable to do that. All we could see is his wake as he went by. Jesus is able to come down here and show us God in his perfection and help us to understand the way in which we could receive the path to get to heaven and direction for how to live life now. That's why he came. That's why he's here. He reveals to us the glory of God. And then he plants within us the seed of God. So Peter says, you've been born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So we've been born again because he places his seed within us and it sprouts out. And we find ourselves crying out to God and saying, I've been changed. I'm a child of God. I know who he is. This is amazing. See, we've fallen and we can't get up. And Jesus reaches down and touches us and pulls us up. And that's the new worship. You see, the wonderful thing is that not only does God cause us to worship us, to worship Him, but He enables us to worship Him. And that's the wonder of worship. Paul said it in Corinthians. It's one of those difficult texts, and he says it this way. We all show the Lord's glory, and we are being changed to be like him. The change in us brings ever greater glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, the word being changed here is the same word used in Romans, metamorphe. He's saying you are being transformed as you allow yourself to see the Spirit of God in worship and touch him. Then he touches you. And others look upon you and they see the change. And they recognize God is there. God is working as you worship and respond to him. And we begin to develop this up close and personal relationship with Jesus that affects every area of our life. Every morning, every afternoon, every evening we talk and we share. And suddenly the faith that I have is in the only one who could do what needs to be done. And a recognition of who he is and his power. And this understanding of worship that happens in my life is this. Suddenly I stand in awe of him who is and who was and who always will be. That he chose to love me and he desires for me to experience real pleasure. And he wants to experience for me complete, lined up, great, perfect alignment. Connection with him. A perfect sea that makes all of life come into tune. You get connected with God. You pay attention to Him. And something happens. Amazing grace. How incredible it is. It saved. A totally out of alignment. Messed up. Mixed up. Not knowing where I was going. Guy like me. 
Hey, let's sing a few of these songs as, as Justin's reminds us of this truth about worship. And grace taught me how to fear. <laughs> and grace relieved that fear. A recognition of why Jesus had to die. And then the experience of taking him in. Grace transforms us. And then his word is revealed to us and we're transformed by the word itself. But it doesn't stop there. He changes our mind, but then he moves specifically to our hearts and he begins to operate if we'll let him. If we'll let him, he'll operate. Surrender to God. Resist the devil. He'll run from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You see, that's the cry and the direction. You've got to surrender, you've got to resist, and then draw near to God. We surrender to God's power. We resist our flesh and all that that propels us against it. And worship, it comes from humility. The word for surrender means simply to put yourself under the control of somebody else. How many of you like to do that? Yeah. Some of you do, man, you're, you, you do really well then. The rest of us, 99%, we're like, whoa, I, that, that's difficult. That is hard for me. I don't want to surrender. God said, unless you surrender, unless you come humbly to Him, unless you come near to Him so you can hear His call, life will not make sense. Because once He changes and transforms us by His grace, guides our mind and transforms us, then He begins to give us the ability to hear His voice. My sheep hear my voice and they respond to it. He gives us this brand new heart that has, it's like a series phone that we got out recently that speaks to you when you asked a question. You know, I could turn it on now. My son showed me how to do it. I'm not going to, but all I got to do is push this button here, flip this thing here, push it again, hold it down. And suddenly he says, what can I help you with? And I go, could you send God my way? <laughs> Just can't help you there. <laughs> I found 15 places matching sentences <laughs> a little ways away from you, it said. <laughs> okay. See, what God does, though, this once he transforms us, he gives us ears to hear. He gives us a heart that suddenly will respond to him, and he literally speaks to us to navigate us through the waters of change because we're brand new people in a brand new place with a brand new thing. He begins to breathe through us and make music in our hearts. He enables us to literally hear God's voice, to feel His Spirit. Romans 8.16 says, The Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us, You're God's child. And that's what happens. Some we go, I am God's child. My fears are relieved. It resounds in our hearts. And when we begin to memorize that truth, we open our spirit to His spirit. We learn how to rejoice. And the itch in our spirit that can't be scratched by any earthly wind is scratched by the Spirit of God as He relieves this intenseness, this question, this struggle. And he scratches. And we go, oh, that feels so good. And that's worship. That's worship. God is saying, let me touch you where you need to be touched. 
That's the cry of God in our lives. So we come humbly to Him and He prepares us for what is next. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. If you're doing great, don't bother. If you're weary and you're carrying heavy burdens and you have a crisis of doubt, He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Learn from me. And you'll find rest for your, and you could circle that word, soul. Soul. One of my favorite stories about Joel Morgan, he shares how he was just a young man wanting to go on a missions trip, like as we head off to Africa. And he said, I really wanted to go to Romania, but he felt God directing him. And so before he left, he thought, I'm going to go into the store and ask God to kind of give me some direction about what I should take. He says, it's kind of silly, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so he walks in the store and he says, Lord, what should I do? And he said, I'm not really an organic kind of guy. So I picked up some Reese's peanut butter cups, a little tapioca pudding some hard candy and gum and some small cans of fruit cocktail. And he gets in Romania and he's staying with a missionary family who are living in really difficult situations, harsh conditions. And when he started to leave, he suddenly remembered, oh, I got this stuff in the backpack. He had this idea. He thought, you know, it's only October. Why not use these snacks to celebrate an early Christmas? So he gets out his backpack and he starts playing Santa Claus. You know, hey, you know, God has come here today. He says, little girls, what would you really like to have? And they said, in unison, all of them said instantly, candy. And he said, you'd like candy. And he said, yes. So he said, well, what kind would you like? And the mom said, oh, the girls love Reese's peanut butter cups. You can't get those here. And he goes, well, guess what? And he pulls out of his backpack Reese's peanut butter cups. And the girls are jumping up and down saying, wow, how did he know? So he starts to wipe away a tear and he turns to the mom and he says, well, what item from home would brighten your day? And he's thinking, this is a big risk. What if she asked for a side of beef? You know, <laughs> could I have a special pork roast? Or he said, I don't know what's going to happen. She was kind of sheepishly and she said, you know, I really miss fruit, especially citrus. So he pulls out a can full of fruit cocktail and mandarin oranges. And she starts to cry. Wow, how did you know? And he's, they're all caught up in this wonderful time of recognizing God's moving. And he thinks, that's good. I need to move on now. Don't go any farther. It's kind of like us sometimes in, in worship. We're going to go, we better stop now while it's going good. Let's finish this puppy, right? He says, but I heard the voice of God say to me, don't stop. Don't stop. And so he takes a big deep breath. And he says, well, sir, what would you like? And he said, oh, well, I'm kind of different. And he said, well, how's that? He says, said, well, I have this weird thing that I really like. Nobody else really likes it. So I can never get it. He said, what is it? He said, well, I really love tapioca pudding. <laughs> and he drops the backpack. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Pulls out tapioca pudding for dad. And they all begin to worship God. And thank God for knowing our specific needs in a specific place in a specific way. And they worshipped him for all that he was and all that he can be. Praise and worship. They poured out their hearts in recognition that God knew their hearts. Father, today we come to you and ask that you might speak to our hearts that in everything we'll yield to you and you ministered to us. We asked in Jesus' name. Amen. Once God changes our hearts 
and he begins to transform our minds. We'll be able to, to hear him through his word and he begins to speak to our hearts himself as that's transformed. Then he moves us to the final place. It's probably the hardest part of worship. And you're experiencing some of that today because it can be very difficult to give your will to God, to literally give yourself totally to him. God, whatever you want, I'm willing. Whatever you desire, I'm willing. That's the cry of Jesus as he faced the cross. Father, I don't want to do this, but not my will, but yours be done. And the Lord's Prayer reminds us over and over and over again that God asks us to honor him with thank offerings, with sacrificial responses. He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me. He prepares the way so I can show him the salvation of God. As we yield our will to him, he changes it and begins to lead our lives. And we come before God and God says, what did you bring? What did you bring today to honor me so that I might respond to you in far, far greater ways. But that's not the reason you honor Him. You honor Him because He is worthy. And so we yield to Him. He wants our thank offerings, our declaration that we know He is in charge and He will bring about the greatest good in whatever situation we find ourselves in as we yield to His will and seek the salvation of God. See, worship is the action of our new spirit that's seeking to return to its divine source. And my spirit cries out to the Spirit of God and says, God, I'm struggling. Change me. I question. I don't know why. I can't see everything, but you can. Enable me to depend on you and believe that you will bring about the greatest good. So we come with a sacrifice, thanks offerings and a sacrifice. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips to confess his name. And you say, what's a sacrifice of praise? It's about love and it's about loss. A sacrifice is giving up something you want to gain something greater. We have a sacrifice fly in baseball, right? So I hit a sacrifice fly. I get out so that my teammate can score from third base or maybe just moved from second base to third base on the possibility that maybe the next guy will get a hit and bring him in. A sacrifice fly. A sacrifice of praise is about losing something and thanking God for it. Not for the loss, but for the ultimate result. Sometimes it's a financial loss. It's a financial sacrifice. My loss for someone else's gain. Sometimes it's an emotional sacrifice of forgiveness and mercy given. Because I believe God will bring about a greater good. Not because they deserve it. But because I believe that God will bring about a greater good. So I offer a sacrifice of praise to God. And I say, God, I give this up for you. That a greater good can happen. That we might win the game. Because that's more important than my personal glory. That's a sacrifice of praise. I encourage you, don't allow the sacrifices in your life because you're going to have to make a lot of them. Don't allow them to become failures. Let them become praises. Because sacrifice returns us to worship. 
Sacrifice creates a new seed within us. And it gives us the ability to respond to God in marvelous ways. In hearts of praise. In this glorious time of renewal. And worship begins to happen. That's why we praise Him. That's why we sing. That's why we honor Him above, above everything. Who He is, what He has done. And the final thought for today is David's when he said, I will not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. You can circle that, costs me nothing. If it's going to be a sacrifice, it has to cost something. If it didn't cost you anything, it's not a sacrifice. If it wasn't difficult, it's not a sacrifice. It's a response. It may be a tip. It's not a sacrifice. God's not a waitress. He doesn't ask for a tip. He comes in and he says, make a sacrifice. Respond to me and then I'll respond to you. Honor me and then I'll honor you. Recognize who I am and yield your will to me. And you will experience what you were made for. The pleasure that comes from God. Life in alignment with the perfect sea. And everything begins to make sense. See, worship is more than just a feeling. It's a response to the worth of God and all He has done for us. I work at my worship every single Sunday. Ask these guys. I'm, I'm working my... Excuse me. I'm working off. I'm working hard. I'm working hard. I'm sweating when I work. I say, Lord, speak to me. God, forgive me. Cleanse me. Get a hold of me. I want to be back to that spot that I was at when I first came to know you. I want to stay there. I want to be realigned. I want to be cleansed. I so much want to touch you. And when I do that, at some point in time in every service, and I never know when it's going to happen, God touches me and he goes, be renewed. It's like, ah, that was worth it. Thank you, Lord, so much. And there's this recognition in my heart that says, you are God's child. Where God speaks to me, have you heard me say before, over and over again, he says, I'm your father. You're my child. Good job. Good job. Worship takes place. But you have to give up your will. You've got to sometimes do something stupid. And, you know, I'm not a big, you know, people know me. I raise my hands and do all this. I do all this. I do it because I just say, God, I will be a fool for you. I'll dance for you. Well, most people wouldn't call it dancing, but I'll move around for you. I'll do whatever it takes if that's what you want of me. I'll give you anything you want because you gave me everything that I have. And that's worship. See, that's the beginning of worship. He changes our hearts, our minds. His grace overwhelms us. And we find ourselves finally willing to recognize who He is and what He has done. He is the great I am. Not the I will be. Not the I have been. He's the great I am. And that's what He wants to be with you today. Let's pray. Father, right now we come to you and we ask that you might make changes in our hearts changes in our minds. Transform us as we come to you because you are the only one that could do it. Realign us so that we might understand and respond to you as the purpose of our lives. Grant us that pleasure so that we can see you clearly 
and act as your children, knowing that you have brought us into your kingdom. Today, Lord, some of us feel defeated and we need forgiveness for our sins and we come to you and say, Lord, forgive me for my sin. Ask him that in your hearts. Lord, forgive me for my sins. Whatever they are, Lord, if, if I've not loved my wife in the manner that I should have done that and I haven't. If I haven't reached out to those in need and I haven't. If I haven't chosen to put you first in every area of my life and I haven't. Forgive me. Cleanse me from that sin and its power. Release me and make me whole again. Because you can. And that's the grace. That's the grace of God. Oh, Father, today we come to you and we ask that you might accomplish that in our life. Show us the way, Jesus, to a relationship with the Father as we come before you today, humbly saying, Lord, we are weary. We are burdened. Hear our cry. Bring us to you. We ask that in Jesus' name.